1: To the health hub on radio maria canada exploring cutting-edge health and wellness information and therapies helping you to take your health to the next level i am your host kathy biase and i'm a holistic nutritionist and a professional cancer coach we are talking about mushrooms on today's show as mushrooms and mushroom products become more mainstream in the diet world functional medicine and mental health spaces it benefits us to get a deeper understanding in these areas so we can determine if and how to use the raw and the manufactured products for our own health. And our guest is Jeff Chilton, founder of Nemex, the first company to supply medical mushroom extracts to the nutritional supplement industry. Jeff studied ethnomycology at the University of Washington in the late 60s and in 1973 began a 10-year career as a large-scale commercial mushroom grower. Jeff is the co-author of The Mushroom Cultivator, published in 1983, and Namex was founded by Jeff in 1989 and is the first company to supply medicinal mushroom extracts to the nutritional supplement industry. In 1997, he organized the first organic certification workshop for mushroom production in China. Jeff is a founding member of the World Society for Mushroom Biology and Mushroom Products in 1994 and a member of the International Society for Mushroom Science. Namex extracts are used by many supplement and food companies and are noted for their high quality, based on scientific analysis of the active components. We are talking all things mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms and dietary mushrooms, um, medicinal mushrooms in their primary use, uh, how we use mushrooms in our diet, product quality issues with mushroom supplements, a lot of information in this show. Please do stay tuned and we will be back in just a few minutes to speak with Jeff.
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Today's show has been recorded. No opportunity for calling in. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at The Health Hub RMC on all locations. Jeff, welcome to the show.
2: Kathy, thank you so much for having me here.
1: We are here to talk about one of my favorite foods, and that is mushrooms, and I, I, don't, I don't lie when I talk about that. Um, you have been in the mushroom world for many, many years. What sparked that interest?
2: Well, I was born in the Pacific Northwest, and what we're really uh, known for out here is it, ever, Washington State is called the Evergreen State. It's green. We have lakes. We have rivers we have a lot of rain in fact the rainy season has just started so we're one of the best places in the world actually for wild mushrooms so the mushrooms were all around me as i grew up and then um, in the late 60s i went to the university of washington where i studied anthropology uh, which i loved uh, not bones but actual social anthropology and while i was there I studied mycology, and it's one of the few universities in the United States that actually has a mycology department. Can you imagine? <laughs> so, I, okay, I let's
1: stop there for a sec. A lot of people don't may not know what mycology is.
2: And, and well, mycology is the study of fungi. Fungi is a okay. huge group. Mushrooms are a part of it, but uh, the number of different fungi out there is is astounding. So that's a, a major field of study, and it's become much more popular these days. But mushrooms are a part of that uh, kingdom, the kingdom of fungi. Now, look after university, uh, what do you do with a degree in anthropology? Well, not much. Um, certainly not in the early '70s, and so. I um, went to the only mushroom farm in Washington State and applied for a job and got a job. I thought, wow, it'd be really interesting to learn how to grow mushrooms. I was there at that farm for the next 10 years. It was a very, very large farm producing button mushrooms. And while I was there, we had a scientist that was growing shiitake oyster and enoki mushrooms. And Kathy, I was eating fresh shiitake in the seventies.
1: Well, shiitakes are just making their ways onto our shelves right now. So you're ahead of the game, right?
2: Oh, and, and, and they are just a wonderful mushroom. And, and I, I really encourage people to eat mushrooms. Mushrooms are what I call the missing dietary link. Uh, And that's something that we should all have in our diet. They're very, very nutritious. They're uh good level of protein. They're mostly carbohydrate, but good carbohydrates, carbohydrates like mannitol that are very slow acting in our system. Uh, they're also high in B vitamins, B1, 2, and 3, and high in fiber. And, and these days that uh, we know all about the microbiome, mm-hmm. that fiber is feeding our microbiome and a lot of that fiber is made up of a compound called beta glucans and beta glucans are what make mushrooms medicinal or functional which is what our business is all about
1: what exactly so we talk about mushrooms as a fungi and i would venture to guess that there's a negative connotation tied to that um can you explain how they grow and what parts of the mushrooms we ingest for Absolutely. for both on our plate. And then when we get to the supplement section, I imagine we may dive into even more deeper understanding of the parts of the mushroom. Well, well um,
2: you know, it's really interesting because when you walk out in the woods or, or you're walking around uh, the city, you see these mushrooms pop out and you go, where did that come from? Because you can't see, it's not like a, a tree and you see an apple or anything. Mushrooms don't have seeds. How do you grow a mushroom if there's no seeds? Well, mushrooms have spores. The spores are, are produced. They, they uh, fly out on wind currents. They land on the ground. They land on a piece of wood. When conditions are right, those spores will germinate into a very, very fine filament called a hypha. And those hypha will come together and fuse and form a network. That network is called mycelium. We don't normally see it because it's underground, embedded in uh, a piece of wood. Uh, That mycelium is part of nature's recyclers. That's breaking down all the organic matter that accumulates every single year, uh, breaking it down, building up its reserves of energy and when conditions are right, which is uh, the fall out here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, it will produce a mushroom. The mycelium is what we call the vegetative stage. The mushroom is the fruiting stage. The mushroom will come up, it will go through its very uh, various uh, stages of growth uh, until it has the cap. It opens up, there are gills underneath that cap. The spores are produced on those gills. Now we have a completion of this life cycle. And it's very important for people to understand, especially when you go looking for a supplement down the line, there are three, what we would call plant parts to this uh, fungal organism. There's a spore, there's a mycelium, and there is a mushroom. And, you know, when you look for a supplement, it's very important. Did this particular, is this uh, a root that we want like ginseng is it a leaf that we want like ginkgo so plant part or fungal part is is super important but that's that's the basic lifestyle of this organism and so when people are out there and they see a mushroom and they go oh uh where did that come from well underneath there is a mycelial network that is growing and that's what is producing this uh, mushroom
1: does some of the essence of the nutritional value of the mushroom come from what it is breaking down? So we see chaga on trees, correct? Um, is, it chaga? is it chaga that's on trees?
2: Yes, absolutely okay. right. And and that's very, very important what that uh, mushroom happens to be growing from because that's where it gets the compounds to produce the uh, important uh, properties that it has and the important compounds that are that are in it so growing the mushroom like when we grow the mushroom we will grow it on what we call substrates that are very similar to, to what it grows on naturally of course we're giving it the the best substrate it has ever had because we are feeding it uh specific nutrients in in um in trying to get as high a yield as possible. So substrate is very important, not only for the yield of mushrooms, but also for producing the medicinal compounds that are within it.
1: Well, then if we kind of jump over from the healthy mushrooms into the poisonous mushrooms, and we might want to spend a second there about where people can go pick mushrooms and eat them, is it the substrate of that particular mushroom that its poisonous properties are coming from?
2: Well, not 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 really. What what it is is that a poisonous mushroom or any mushroom has a certain uh, genetic uh, code okay. which will, in fact, uh, produce those compounds. Really, it, it doesn't really depend a whole lot on what it happens to be growing on in terms okay. of producing those particular compounds. So, substrate is really important for the overall yield of the mushroom and also it does have compounds that we would call precursors but it's it's really the genetics that will end up producing those uh, specific compounds and look you know mushrooms I think kind of get a bad rap because when when somebody gets poisoned by a mushroom and especially if it's a deadly poisonous mushroom we hear about it we rarely hear about people getting poisoned by plants but plants also have Uh, have substances in them that can kill people and and so i'm always like okay they're blaming the mushroom again (laughs) you know it's like you you have a meal somewhere and you go home and you know feel very good and you go oh that must have been that mushroom
1: (laughs) well the thing is is that a lot of people I you know i i see a lot more books on the shelf i get a lot more questions about foraging mushrooms um is it a safe thing for people to do, or you know, go to the grocery store and know what's know what you're oh, getting?
2: Oh, oh, look, it's not, not safe for people to go out and okay. harvest mushrooms and then bring them home and eat them. You need to go out with somebody that is skilled in the identification of mushrooms before you even dare to eat it. And and that's what happens. You know, a large percentage of the poisonings uh, in the United States come from immigrants. They go out. They uh, see a certain um, group of mushrooms, they harvest them and say, this is exactly like grandma used to pick back in the old country. And I know them well, and they take them home and they uh, eat a lot of them. And it ends up uh, in some cases that it's a deadly poisonous mushroom. And that's where most of the mushroom poisons or, or cases come from.
1: Well, when you're choosing to, um, the substrate that you're growing now, your mushrooms are considered organic, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, and when you're choosing the substrate to grow these mushrooms on, is it the substrate in and of itself or is it the particular mushroom you're trying to cultivate or does it matter what substrate is on you're, you're working with spores on the same substrate?
2: Well, well, the the fact of the matter is, is that, um, It's it's kind of interesting because most of the functional mushrooms that we grow are wood decomposers. So we have a standardized substrate that is uh, made from sawdust primarily, plus bran, which is a uh, carbohydrate, a high sugar part of that to give the uh, substrate more nutrition for the mushroom to grow. So probably... um, six or seven of the species that we're growing grow on a very similar substrate with just a few minor tweaks and again uh it's it's so interesting that these what we would call medicinal or functional mushrooms are primarily wood decomposers.
1: Okay so let's let's get into the functional uh, medicinal mushrooms versus tabletop cooking mushrooms. I know that mushrooms all have health benefits, but there's a a large category of mushrooms, I I think it's large, that we can't chew, ingest, cook with. Are those considered the functional mushrooms that you're talking about? Well,
2: there are certain functional mushrooms that we can buy in the grocery store that are edible. For example, shiitake, maitake, lion's mane, those are all edible mushrooms that we can uh, um, take home and eat and and gain some of the functional power from them just by eating them. However, there are some like reishi, like chaga. Have you ever seen a chaga? I have. (laughs) Isn't that the craziest thing you've ever seen? Chaga is this gnarly black mass that grows off the side of a tree Uh, it's got a a black outer rind that is primarily melanin and the interior of it is broken down wood tissue it's not a true mushroom Uh, chaga is actually a manifestation of a fungal disease that tree has been parasitized by a, a fungus that is then producing this chaga so we cannot grow chaga all, all chaga uh today uh, is wildcrafted so so there are mushrooms like reishi uh like chaga and reishi i've shown a reishi to people and a reishi is a beautiful mushroom it has got a the shape of the cap is like a ram's horn it is red you can shine it up so it's just beautifully brilliant um i've shown it to people when i've been out at trade shows hey have you ever heard of reishi mushroom they look at it they they feel and they go is this real (laughs) is this just a piece of wood reishi is like a piece of wood it's like somebody carved something out of wood so so you cannot eat reishi mushrooms uh and that's where some of the mushrooms and most of our mushrooms we will produce a powdered extract from them which is a much more bioavailable Form and that's specifically uh important when it comes to reishi or another important mushroom which is called turkey tail or Mm -hmm. again the the chaga which is not a mushroom but it's still something that we uh consider in this uh medicinal mushroom category
1: um chaga comes from birch tree doesn't isn't that where one of the main trees it grows from
2: Yes. Okay. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I have a I think I have a plethora of chaga trees uh, up north. There's another interesting mushroom. And I, I think we have as the conversation goes, I think what we're going to do second half is really get into the, you know, how to cook with these mushrooms, some of the properties, extraction methods. But there's a an a fungus. I, I don't know if you consider it um a mushroom, cordyceps.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. That's I, an I,
1: interesting I, one to talk about because I know in medicinal in the medicinal fields in functional medicine, cordyceps is is a star.
2: Oh, absolutely right. And and let's definitely talk about cordyceps because it is the story of cordyceps is just crazy, really. I mean, cordyceps. Is, um, how how it is? It's actually wildcrafted uh, originally, and what happens is a um, larva from a particular moth, which is uh, basically a caterpillar, will hibernate in um, uh, the coming winter. And this is all up in the uh, Tibet in very cold areas. It will hibernate underground, uh, just about an inch underground. And during that period while it's hibernating, spores, which are in the ground of the Cordyceps fungus will germinate and they will get inside this caterpillar and they will consume the whole inside of this caterpillar so all there is is just a shell of this caterpillar looks really normal but the inside has been consumed and in the summer up will come this little blade it uh, doesn't look at all like you'd think of a mushroom, this little blade, almost like a blade of grass. And it that's the cordyceps. But when they harvest it, they will actually, when they see this little blade of grass, they will move back the earth around it and they will harvest the caterpillar and this fungus part. And that is the wildcrafted cordyceps. They call it winter worm, summer grass. And it is... Uh, the value of it today is somewhere mm-hmm. around $15,000 per dried kilo. Now, can you imagine turning that into a supplement? Nobody can afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what uh, we have done and what they've done in Asia and started about 10 years ago, they learned how to grow a different but sister species called Cordyceps militaris, which is an amazing fungus that is orange is just beautiful we grow cordyceps militaris and so we will have um, thousands of millions of these small little cordyceps growing in a in a grow house and that's what we will now harvest and sell instead of this very very expensive cordyceps and they've done a lot of research that demonstrates that Cordyceps Militaris is as good or better than the original Cordyceps Sinensis. So it's just a a fascinating mushroom. Um, It's used primarily for fatigue, uh, seems to help people uh, with oxygen deficiency. So it has become something that a lot of athletes and uh, athletic products are produced with it in there. That, that's where it seems to go. But originally, what they do in traditional Chinese medicine is that they use it for people who have had a long illness, they're struggling to get over it They're they're almost there, but they're not quite they will give people cordyceps and, and that helps them to overcome whatever is holding them back from really getting better.
0: I looked
1: at, I watched a YouTube video, you know, fast forwarding of the whole process of cordyceps. I was, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was fascinating. Just fascinating. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) It it really is something to watch. I, I, you know, when someone told me what it was from, I I just couldn't wrap my head around it. So I googled it and (laughs) YouTube and it was just absolutely fascinating.
2: Well, yeah. And and our, our cordyceps, we do not grow it on insects. So people don't need to worry about the fact that, oh, gee, am I eating bugs here Mm. or or whatever? No, we don't it on insects it's grown on a natural substrate and and uh but again it is i believe a better functional mushroom than the cordyceps sinensis half of which when you get it is the caterpillar itself and and you know i I took that around uh, natural foods expo uh 30 years ago and i showed cordyceps to people and they looked at and they said you know what my customers are vegetarian they mm-hmm. don't, don't want to eat caterpillars and i thought well yeah that's a kind of a deal breaker here with this cordyceps
1: okay terrific i loved i loved ending on that note because i wanted to make sure that we were going <laughs> to talk about that i was just so intrigued when i saw the video we're going to take a quick break here everybody we will be back in just a few minutes to continue our conversation with jeff welcome back to our program
0: you are listening to the health hub
1: everybody. We are talking with Jeff Chil- Chilton, and we are talking all about mushrooms. Jeff, you went to China to do a lot of uh, your research and study when it comes to mushrooms. Why did you go along that path?
2: Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I, I, My background, of course, is in mushroom cultivation, large-scale mushroom cultivation that I I learned during the 70s, 10 years at the mushroom farm there. And and one of the things I learned was, of course, the economics of growing mushrooms. And uh, for one, I realized that you can't grow mushrooms in North America and put them into the supplement space because um, for example, if you were to grow shiitake mushrooms and you sell them for $5 a pound fresh, great, you got a good business going. However, supplements are dried powder. You dry out that pound of shiitake mushrooms, which is 90% water. Now you have to get $50 for that same pound of shiitake. Economics do not work in terms of producing mushrooms, the actual mushroom in north america and selling as a supplement in 1989 i took my first trip to china for an international a conference on mushrooms there and um that began a 10 year uh back and forth with me taking trips to china i i traveled all over china many different places china um for one That's where we get our knowledge of functional mushrooms from traditional Chinese medicine. They've used specific species for uh, thousands of years. China has many research institutes there, which I visited. They have uh, mushroom conferences almost every year. They have tens of thousands of small growers. So uh, I went over and I made a lot of contacts, visited lots of farms, and that's where uh, Namex grows our mushrooms in China. In 1997, I took OCIA, the, one of the primary or prime uh, organic certification organizations in the United States, with me to China, and we held the very first organic certification workshop or mushrooms in China. That was 1997. Uh, Three years later, we had organically certified mushrooms. And look, a lot of people are like, oh, China, I wouldn't eat anything coming out of China. Well, you know, the United States uh, and in North America, we pour um, millions of gallons of pesticides and chemicals on all of our foods. You know, we have a small organic sector, but the number of chemicals that we have. And there's areas where, of course, you don't want to eat the produce that comes out of the gulf coast of the united states we grow all our mushrooms back in the mountains in very clean areas with clean water and clean air and so so it just made sense for me to organize uh, mushroom production in china and then we will process those mushrooms into an extract powder And, and then before they uh, are shipped we test them for heavy metals for pesticides a whole microbiological panel they get uh very deep testing there we, we ship them over to the us uh, to our warehouse we test them a second time we do a tremendous amount of testing on all our products which i feel it is very very important and um <clears throat> so so um that whole uh, part of things for us has been very important. And China produces over 85% of the world's mushrooms. And we're talking about not only the biggest mushroom farms in the world, the most mechanized, the most advanced mushroom farms in the world, but also farms like we use that are owner-operated. They're back in the mountains, um, very natural conditions that we give our mushrooms. And, and this is something to me, that's very important, the way we grow our mushrooms and how they're processed and the fact that they are certified organic by high quality French certifiers.
1: Okay. Um, So let's really get uh, down into the difference between a functional mushroom and would you consider edible mushrooms, functional mushrooms? Are they completely different category?
0: No, no. You know, I I
2: consider them functional mushrooms. They're not quite on the same level as what we're selling. We, we, you know, I, I have a book Kathy, uh, that's called the icons of medicinal mushrooms in China. And they have 270 species that they uh, demonstrate have some scientific information behind the fact that they have medicinal qualities. Well, uh, 270, I'm not going to sell 270 mushrooms. Uh, So we've got it down to about 10 to 12 specific species that have a lot of uh, um, traditional use and that's how we choose them we look at the traditional use and then we go out and look at the science behind them and there's a tremendous body of science in in, uh, especially uh the the japanese science is really really good so um we use the the science to basically qualify the fact that okay traditional chinese medicine use this uh the science backs that up and that's how we choose those 10 or 12 species from all those 270 species so and that, these are ones a, that
1: you can't cook with
2: some of them you can okay. again like the maitake like the talkie, like the lion's mane and and, and a, a quick note on cooking um how many times have you heard a young five-year-old seven-year-old ten-year-old kid go i ah, eight mushrooms, so slimy. Things. I hear
1: twenty-five-year-old kids <laughs> say it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, you know, you cannot imagine how many times I've heard that. Mm. But, it's uh, a
1: texture. I don't like the texture.
2: Exactly, and, and the key is: look, you have to cook. If you're, if you let's sauteing them, for example, you have to use a hot pan. If your pan is too. Cool. what happens is all of the water will come right out of those mushrooms. Mushrooms, like most vegetables, are 90 percent water. The water will come out. Now you're cooking them in a a pool of water. Of course, they're going to come out uh, kind of slimy and rubbery. You have to cook them in a hot pan, which keeps the moisture in. They will shrink. That's fine. Um, And what I do is I like to brown them. So I'll slice them about a quarter of an inch thick. I'll throw them in my favorite oil, which people can, whatever they'd like. I brown them up. Sometimes in that pan, I'll even flip them over by hand if I have to, but I I want to brown both sides. When they come out, they're not wet and slimy. You've, You've basically caramelized them. So they're very nice texture. I mean, it's interesting because many different mushroom species have different textures and the Chinese are like amazing when it comes to textures. My God, they eat things that I'd go like, okay, no, I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like they're chewing on a, a um, some kind of very real fibrous something <laughs> and, or, uh, or a ligament or something. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think so. But um, that that's the key. If you're eating mushrooms, cook them properly. And then the beauty of it is that mushrooms are so versatile in so many ways. And, and look, cooking really does not affect the beneficial properties of mushrooms. And when you're eating mushrooms, one of the key things is that they are up to 50% fiber and that fiber, which is mostly this compound beta glucan is feeding our microbiome and it is hitting those receptors and giving us, These uh, functional properties. So eating mushrooms is important, and you will get um, many of those functional properties, plus just the fact of the fiber there.
1: Well, I always like working in the nutrition piece of it because uh, mushrooms—they range in category for from expensive to non-expensive. Because the button mushroom is probably the most common, but there are a lot of qualities, and there's a lot of science behind the nutritional value of button mushrooms. So. Any mushroom you choose to uh, work with in the kitchen is beneficial for sure. When it comes to supplements, I don't want to. I don't want to cut this part short because um, I use your product lines. Um, I I know that Real Mushrooms is a subsidiary of of Nemex. I don't calling it a subsidiary. Well, it, it's, a, it's a it's
2: it's a division. It's a division. Okay.
1: Um, there is mushroom. I've seen mushrooms in powdered form, tinctured form pill form. When you are recommending a mushroom supplement to somebody, I know people can go and look up the type of mushroom and the, you know, lion's mane for the brain, things like that. But what is the most beneficial delivery mechanism that you find the powders, the pills or the tinctures?
2: Well, well, you know, I think generally, you know, our powders are such that they're, they're very bio, bioavailable. We actually don't make tinctures and people okay. need to understand sometimes with tinctures, they will be um, maybe more water than actual herb. A tincture actually should be very cloudy because it should have some of those types of solids in it to be really good. But we we mostly, we sell powders primarily. Okay. And, and I think that's a good delivery system. And, and, you know, first of all, let me just say something about the whole category of functional mushrooms. Do not expect that you will take that lion's mane today and tomorrow you'll wake up and say i can remember everything mm-hmm. i've ever known <laughs> that's not how mushrooms work mushrooms are when you take mushrooms or even eat mushrooms you have to think of them as something that will be long-term um preventing like, like a vitamin so mushrooms in my opinion are really a food that works as a preventive medicine. And, and that to me is is just like our diet. Having a good diet is the basis of prevention and the basis of creating uh, uh, a healthy body. So, so look at mushrooms in that way. Now, mushrooms do have, uh, well, and, and every single mushroom will have these beta glucans and what they do is they will potentiate our immune system which means they're in the background but when you need it they are going to be helping to produce immune cells to meet the challenges of illness and and you know they're also considered adaptogens, which Mm -hmm. means They will help to keep us in balance. And, you know, health in a way is all about balance. And that's especially something that uh, in traditional Chinese medicine, they talk about. It's just uh, when you're out of balance in some ways, that's where disease will step in. So really, we're looking for a homeostasis. We're looking for that state where um, we're just operating on uh, in a very healthy way so uh look at mushrooms that way put them into your diet put them into your supplement regimen and and ultimately you can look back over the last year uh, and say oh i am i had a healthy year i felt healthier i didn't have as many colds or flus or or these mm-hmm. kind of things that's how you kind of judge that now
1: yeah i agree completely
2: Oh, you know, it's so important. I mean, you really, you know, look, if you're a smoker, or if you don't exercise, or you're living in a city breathing foul air, well, don't expect miracles. (laughs) That's not, that's not how it works. But each, each uh, species will have uh, some type of special activity. Uh, For example, uh, we were talking a bit about lion's mane, lion's mane has these compounds in it that will stimulate the production of a compound that we produce called nerve growth factor. And that nerve growth factor, what it does is it helps to organize neurons and it can even stimulate the production of neurons. So when you are taking lion's mane, that's what you're expecting, one of the benefits you're expecting from the lion's mane, and they have done some clinical trials uh, with lion's mane that seem to indicate that it can help with early onset dementia and memory issues. So, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people will take lion's mane, mm-hmm. and lion's mane is considered a nootropic, which is a term that gets used out there for anything that kind of enhances our innate functional abilities. So, uh, lion's mane, Kathy, is our absolute most popular mushroom that we sell. It's just amazing; everybody wants lion's mane, and I, I guess I guess the whole world is losing their mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when it, you know, I've used your powders. Um, I use your powders. Some of them are not the best tasting,
0: oh so they're, they're bitter. <laughs> um, and I think that
1: unless there, you know, where we're, we are given an understanding or a training, um, a lot of people would shy away from the powders. Can you give us a few ways to put powders into things that are, will mask some of those tastes?
2: Well, you know what, uh, what, what I would say is the best way is just to use the capsules. And, okay. and uh, yeah, because because look, uh, reishi mushroom is very bitter. I mean, I mm-hmm. I consider it almost the essence of bitterness. So a good reishi product, you you uh, taste that, or you pour it out of the capsule. It, if it's not bitter, it's not reishi mushroom. It's that okay. simple. And and so, and and the bitterness comes from compounds called triterpenoids, and those are very good for uh, our liver and our circulatory system. So mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why reishi is considered. The king of mushrooms, so to speak, or the most highly revered mushroom in China, um, and it has not just uh, one of the highest amounts of beta glucans, but it has these triterpenoids as well. So it's a very, very special mushroom. And you know, one of the uh, ways that we know about these compounds, whether it be beta glucans or triterpenoids, we analyze for those. So every single batch that we produce, we are analyzing them, not just for the standard pesticides, heavy metals, and so forth, but we're also analyzing for the important uh, functional compounds like the triterpenoids, like the beta-glucans. We do testing that no other company does, and that's why NAMEX is the leader in this category, because we have metrics, and we when we give a, CO, a certificate of analysis to companies, We will list the specific compounds that are important. And we've been doing this now for, well, I started testing for triterpenoids back in the 1990s when nobody was doing that kind of testing. I mean, you couldn't even get standards to use in your your test things so we've been doing testing of the products from from the very beginning and i i believe that is very very important because a lot of people what they'll do is they'll claim their product has all these benefits and and they they claim that simply because scientific papers with the certain types of whether it be in vitro or in vivo analysis say oh this particular mushroom has these properties so they just say oh well our product no matter what it is, has these properties, because scientists say that that particular species Mm -hmm. has got them, when in fact they're not even measuring those compounds in their products. And so they don't really know at all, but they just make the claim based on what science has said. So we analyze, we think it's very important. Reishi again, very bitter. The other one that's uh, somewhat bitter is turkey tail. Turkey tail is is a a premier um, immune system potentiator, One of the things about being able to test is that we have discovered that a reishi and turkey tail uh, have the highest levels of beta-glucans of all the mushrooms. And it's so interesting because neither of those are edible mushrooms per se. They uh, they grow off of trees, off of the trunks of trees. They themselves are very woody. They're called a polypore because underneath the cap, rather than having gills, they have uh, millions of small pores. So they're very special mushrooms. Again, they're very woody. <laughs> you, you, you do not consume them. It would be like gnawing on a piece of wood. But but certainly, and again, every mushroom will have its own flavor. So when you're buying mushroom products, they should be distinctive and not the same. They will have um, their own particular flavor profile some have a good taste limesbane has a wonderful taste and and is a wonderful flavorful mushroom shiitake mushrooms has a good flavor it's my favorite mushroom it's just an amazing amazing flavor it leaves a great aftertaste uh so so yes there, there is that flavor aspect but you know with a with a uh functional mushroom certain of them you can put them into your day really smoothie. When my son uh, created the Real Mushrooms uh, retail brand, uh, you know, his generation really into alchemy in the Mm -hmm. sense of putting together the shake every day. And they put in this and they put in that and then they drank this thing. Well, certain of our mushrooms, you can do that. But others, when we first put out the Real Mushrooms line, it was all powders and pouches and People that bought the Reishi were like, "Oh my god!" I man.
1: had the Reishi. That's it. It's still sitting there. It's like I can't. There, I can't even. I tried it in a smoothie. I was like, oh, "No, this isn't happening." Uh, I know you just <laughs> you completely destroyed
2: your smoothie. Yeah, it was exactly. Like, okay, that's and, the last time I'll do that. <laughs> and then when the
1: pills started coming out, I was like, "Perfect,
2: perfect." Yeah, yeah. You have the, the, some new
1: products coming out too, right? Uh, now, I do want to say because we're we're coming towards the end of the show, you have a pet line. Which is awesome.
2: We do have a pet line. In fact, we have a veterinarian that works with us, and he Excellent. has been working with botanicals in the veterinarian space for twenty to thirty years. He's one of the one of the first in that vet category, so we're very happy with that. And and you know, it's interesting, isn't it that that uh, even mushrooms are being offered to pets to help with certain mm-hmm. pet diseases? Yeah, it, it's really interesting and and i think it's great
1: and ergothionine thionine you were telling me about
2: ergothionine oh man uh, people don't don't forget this word ergothionine you'll be hearing more about it uh, um scientists have found this compound which is an amino acid a so thiol that that they some some of them think is a new vitamin and it's found in areas of our body where there's high oxidative stress whether it's the kidneys or the liver it accumulates there and um they they have still not figured out exactly what it's doing there we don't produce it that's the interesting part about it like vitamin c exactly so so what is uh what is the food that 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 produces the highest amounts of this uh, uh compound this ergothionine mushrooms uh, we've got an ergo product out there right now in the real mushrooms line, but but that's uh, um, something that uh, has been very, very expensive because they do produce ergothionine from yeast. But we have a mushroom now. It's a very special mushroom called the golden oyster. It's a beautiful yellow color with multiple caps on it. It is the highest producer of ergothionine among all the mushroom species. So we're growing it now for the ergothionine. So that we can put out a capsule that is just 100% this particular mushroom, and it has the five milligrams per gram that would be the daily serving in it. So we're very excited about that. In fact, we're launching that product at uh, Supply Side West in November. And I think I also mentioned to you that we're... We're also producing uh, vitamin D2 from mushrooms, and it's so interesting because we have, um, of course, cholesterol. When our skin gets exposed to UV radiation, that will turn the uh, uh, cholesterol into um, cholesterol, which is a precursor to vitamin D. that's where we get our vitamin d unless we supplement well mushrooms are doing the exact same thing they have a compound called ergosterol and when you expose that to uv light that turns into pre-vitamin d2 so we are producing a vitamin product a vitamin d product nothing involved in the processing except exposing the mushroom powder to uv light so it's a total food oriented vitamin i mean the when you look at some of these things it's it's interesting because vitamin d3 to get it it goes through quite a series mm-hmm. of steps which you don't want to know about because there are certain chemical uh, steps that they use to finally get the pure vitamin d3 our vitamin d2 which which just so everybody knows has been used for centuries um the scientists uh, one of the world's leading experts in vitamin d has basically said you use it on a daily basis like vitamin d3 and ultimately it is going to be just the same in terms of uh, the effects in your body and and how it's utilized Um, because some people are like well you know, I want D3 rather mm-hmm. than D2. Our D2 is going to be 100% a mushroom powder, nothing more. So I'm really, really stoked on this. The fact that that we can offer this just from a mushroom powder and, and that is a, a totally natural
1: process. Jeff, I love the passion. I love the passion of what you do. It it shines forth. If people wanted to find out more about uh, Namex, where would they go?
2: Well, come to Namex.com, N A M M E X. We actually have a menu there for educational information. I've got slideshows there on how we grow our mushrooms, how we process them, a lot of other information. Come for the information there. Um, And then if you want to go to the realmushrooms.com site, there's also a lot even deeper uh, information on mushrooms, what they're used for, and so on. I really want people to understand everything behind these mushrooms, whether you're eating them or supplementing with Mm -hmm.
1: them. And Real Mushrooms, again, is the retail arm of Namex. Such a pleasure talking to you and meeting you, Jeff. Uh, Really, it it was nice to have you on our show today.
2: Kathy, thank you so much. I enjoyed talking to you as well. And it's especially uh, fun for me when it's somebody with the depth of knowledge that you have.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub.